Welcome to the Ribe Labs podcast. I'm Alan Davies, the Ribe Labs editor, and this week we're talking about geolocation with Ripe IP Map. We can look into BGP, we can look in um, active measurements like Ripe Atlas measurement results and see things happening. But if you actually want to apply that to the real world, you need to know where they physically are happening. The, the key things are the trace route and the map. So the trace route is full of IPs and the map is a map. So it's IP map. <laughs> Geolocation is about putting IP addresses on the map to figure out where devices on the internet are actually located in the world. And while this is useful in all sorts of ways, the majority of apps and services out there that do geolocation are typically designed to focus on end-user devices at the edge of the internet. That said, for internet researchers, network operators, and others, there are all kinds of reasons why it can be useful to geolocate the machines that make up the infrastructure that keeps the internet running. RIPE IP Map is an API developed by the RIPE NCC to do just that. Drawing on data made available by RIPE Atlas is designed to help researchers and network operators identify where in the world specific bits of core internet infrastructure are actually located. To find out more about why this is useful and how it all actually works, I talked to Chris Armin architects and senior technical analyst at the RIPE NCC. There's kind of a simple answer and a real answer to like what is, what is infrastructure. Um, I mean, the simplest thing is infrastructure is everything that isn't on the ends of um, a particular route on the internet. So it's not the laptop that you're using when you're connecting to a service and it's probably not also the content provider or the service provider that you're accessing at the other end, but it's the machines which are sort of in the middle, pushing the packets along, which basically allows the traffic to flow from one part of the internet to another. And the kind of motivation behind IPMAP was, we know that there's a lot of GeoIP service providers who allow you to give an IP address of, say, someone who's connecting to your web server and work out that, you know, this customer or this user is probably in Germany, which is useful if you if you're doing some kind of security checks or if you're trying to work out where the content should be provided. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of problem which has a natural market solution and it's there and it exists. What hasn't historically been available is working out the bits in the middle between the users and the content or the services. We can we can see how data is flowing using things like trace routes. So you can you can run a trace route and you can ask the hops in the middle to report back to you and say, okay, this packet got to this IP address, this IP address. But actually working out geographically where those IP addresses are is the sort of challenge which isn't solved by existing commercial geolocation providers. So why do that? What's, what's the real use of geolocating infrastructure? So like one of the, the primary use cases is highlighting sort of routing inefficiencies where you might have internet traffic starting in a particular country, starting mm-hmm. in the Netherlands, um, and then going to, say, a neighbouring country, but making a detour to somewhere else completely. This kind of highlights cases where this actually happens in, in different countries. Right. Um, and it's something you want to avoid as a network operator, usually, because it's just less efficient. It probably points to opportunities to improve configurations, have new, maybe more local peerings. Mm-hmm. Um, which can end up with more reliable, faster connectivity. Uh, there could also be 
in some cases, regulatory concerns or just sort of robustness concerns about things going out of the country to through certain countries. Then you'll have like somewhat related, you, you'll, if you already have an understanding that traffic is flowing within a country, if traffic suddenly starts flowing away from a country or around a particular country, you might also have a, an idea or a signal that something's happening in that country. There's some kind of event, there's some kind of natural or human event which is causing some big changes to the internet. So then it's really important for researchers and observers to have an understanding of where these network events are physically manifesting. It's often easier to see uh, network level events because we, we can look in we can look in the BGP, we can look in um, active measurements like Ripe Atlas measurement results and see things happening. But if you actually want to apply that to the real world, you need to know where where they physically are happening as well. I, I can think of a lot of cases, even in things that we talked about in earlier episodes, where it's absolutely vital to have a real-world location tied to a given event that you see yep. occurring on the internet. It's also just really fun and nice to show things on maps yeah. <laughs> rather than, you know, line-by-line line trace route. I mean, they're, they're useful. Like, everyone involved in networking uses trace routes, but it's quite pretty to show things on maps. And I think that's yeah. that can't be underestimated. No. A, a side benefit of a, a project like this, it lets you draw p- pretty maps. Yeah. Well, you have to draw them yourselves, but we'll tell you where to plot the points. So behind Ripe IP Map, there's this whole interesting architecture of different engines going on. Yeah, so it's, it's broken up into several suggestion engines. Engine is kind of a, a catch-all term for a set of techniques, databases, uh, methodologies for locating an IP address. So all of the engines are presented to start with with an IP address. So internally, they are um, queried effectively when, when, a, when a user comes to the API with an IP address. Each of the engines is given an opportunity to locate it. An engine may produce a location and say, I think this is a city, this is Amsterdam, or this is uh, Paris. Um, in some cases, it may not be confident enough that it's a city, or because of the nature of the engine, it might not be able to provide that kind of answer, but it may be able to provide an area. So, for instance, the latency engine can provide a radius where it, it believes um, that an IP address is located. There's then subsequent rounds where um, the other engines can take the suggestions from the previous ones in order to augment it or provide more specific locations. So many of the engines, for instance, can take the radius given by the latency engine and hone that down or, or make a best guess within this radius. I think that Utrecht is uh, the most likely uh, outcome. So certainly by the end, each of the engines has provided a score for a particular location, if it has anything to say about it at all. And the scores are all combined. So a location, if it has suggestions from multiple engines, the score from those three engines will be combined. And the locations will be ordered by the score, basically. So depending on the endpoint you use, you'll either get a list of locations ordered by score, which is an indication of how confident you could be, although it doesn't have any technical confidence meaning, uh, or you'll just get a best answer, which behind the scenes would be the highest rated location. So what engines are you actually working with here? So we have the latency engine, yeah, which is... Uh, so the single radius was the, the, the OG, um, 
But basically, these two engines, single radius and latency, they are now effectively two parts of the same engine. But they rely on the technique of analyzing effectively traceroute hops. Each hop will have an IP address, which is the router which has responded to this particular packet, given the particular time to live value. There'll be a, a latency which you have because you just record the round trip time of, you know, I sent the request and then I got this uh, response back. So then you know how long it took to, to get there and back. So you can half that time. So if it took two milliseconds, you can take half of that. And then if you have a known location for, for the source of that trace route, so if the trace route is performed by a RIPE Atlas probe where we're confident of the location, yeah. and there's a mechanism in place to to validate the locations of, of probes and other sources. But if you're confident of that particular location, then you know that at most the uh, IP address which you're interested in is one millisecond away. So because we know, you know, there are certain universal constants, yeah. it's impossible for your internet packets to travel faster than the speed of light, as, as far as we know. And IP map makes this <laughs> assumption. Okay. Um, but it also makes a slightly, slightly stronger assumption, which is that your packets are not traveling in a vacuum. Um, so we're, we're taking, I think, two thirds of the speed of light, sort of taking into account the refractive index of fiber. You know, packets traveling along fiber optic cables are not traveling fully at the speed of light. Um, it provides an upper bound to the distance because it's impossible in a millisecond that you can get information from Amsterdam to New York. So we can convert this millisecond value into a kilometer or meter value. Mm -hmm. Well, generally a kilometer. Um, and then you have essentially a radius. So this is why the single cool. radius engine is called single radius. Um, the distinction between the two engines is the single radius engine will actually schedule RIPE Atlas measurements in real time. Okay. Which is which is really cool because um, then there doesn't need to be any pre-existing knowledge of the network or anything like that. As long as there are RIPE Atlas probes online somewhere, uh, this engine will pick probes and carry out a measurement. The, the latency engine, which is sort of more recent, takes advantage of the fact that there are constantly results coming into RIPE Atlas. So there's, there's, there are constantly measurements being performed by yeah. probes all over the world. And it actually trawls through all of those results, essentially everything which any, anybody, any probe has been carrying out. Um, and it finds the hops and works out whether it can apply locations to those hops. So it's, it's the same, mathematically, it's the same um, principle. And it's you know, the same code, which is basically making that calculation. Um, but it's the distinction between being either passive or active. Okay, so that's the latency engine. What about the uh, reverse DNS engine? The reverse DNS engine is basically looking at the PTR records, which which may or may not exist for a given IP address, okay. where you can look up an IP address in what's called a reverse DNS query. And instead of looking up a name and getting an IP address, you can look up an IP address and get the name or the label for that IP address. And very often, especially with core internet infrastructure, which is what we're interested in, very often the operators and the managers of this infrastructure leave clues for their own 
management purposes, uh, they leave clues in the reverse DNS records for where an IP address may be located. So, for instance, there may be a bit of infrastructure in Amsterdam with a particular IP address, and the reverse DNS record has, say, AM01-something-412. So the reverse DNS engine's job is to find these clues and suggest a particular city or location uh, for a particular reverse DNS lookup. So how reliable is that though? Is there any kind of agreed approach to that or labeling standard or anything? Absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> so that there are a set of schemes which are quite common. Um, so there are things like uh, the IATA airport codes and UN location codes and um, a couple of sets which which are used quite often by operators. Um, so that's something you can look at as a, as a kind of low-hanging fruit. Uh, and the, the previous version of the reverse DNS engine the, from sort of a year or two ago, it was only really doing that. So it basically had a, a set of uh, locations which it knew about and it knew these codes. And then it looked in the, the DNS records and it saw, say, an airport code AMS, which is Schiphol, um, and then said, okay, that's probably Amsterdam. Or it would find a full name like Amsterdam or Paris, um, and then it would kind of, it knew where that was. The The more recent um, engine, the more recent version of the engine um, is it's actually using a tool called Hoiho. I'm still not quite sure how to say it, um, but this is a tool by... Um, Matthew Lucky, and this um, this tool adds way more smarts in because it it uses some kind of pattern analysis, which takes both a whole bunch of um, reverse DNS records with matching IP addresses, but also the latency data. So the same principle as as like the latency single radius engine and IP map, um, and it can take these two data sets, along with um, the hints for what might be the possible codes. And it basically, for each, for each uh, network, it comes up with a score of how, of what the naming scheme might be and how reliable it is. Wow, okay. Because, it, because not only will it see, yes, AMS is, you know, Amsterdam, but it knows from the latency data that you know the when it's AMS it's always within a part of North Holland um so as as this tool is is used in IP map all of the data comes from RIP Atlas so it's actually exactly the same it actually comes from the latency engine so right RIP Atlas hey. via the latency engine so essentially on a, a daily basis there is um a job which is churning through all of the latency data and all of the reverse DNS records for these IP addresses um, and it's scoring potential naming schemes. So th there is actually a lot of complexity going on there as well of, of a different sort, yeah. um, sort of pattern, pattern recognition. That's great. I didn't realize that one was that sophisticated, actually. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't. Yeah. Um, and, and now it is because it's integrating this really great tool. And the other engines? Yeah, there's a couple more. So there's, there's one which is the IXP engine. Okay. Um, and this is mostly using data from PeeringDB, which essentially allows 
uh, network operators to fill in various details about the various networks which they control. Uh, but interestingly for IPMAP, this includes information about networks and also about various facilities and exchange points. So that allows us to make two kinds of guesses with with IPMAP in the IXP engine. First of all, we can take, say, a, a given radius provided by the latency engine, and the IXP engine can just return um, what are the facilities within this particular area. That can then be strengthened, complemented by actually looking for a particular IP address because then you can see what network PeeringDB thinks that that IP address belongs to and you might be able to see where that network might have a presence, which facilities that might have a presence. So that's a form of suggesting a particular location based on some other parameters um, and that can often provide really good results because uh, especially if you already have a latency radius, um, if you just want to you know, you might have, say, seven or eight towns or cities which are identifiable locations within that radius, and you need some kind of hint as to which one it is. Well, if you know that, well, one of these is a major IXP, right, okay. it's just like the best guess. It's not yeah. always going to be right, um, but it's the best guess. And then if you know that the particular network that this IP belongs to is peering at this IXP, well, again, you've you really strengthened the case. And that's going to boost the score of, of that guess and all of these scores from the different engines are additive so if, if a lot of engines agree they'll all contribute individual scores and that's going to bump up a particular location so as you talk about these other engines it really sounds like that latency radius that you calculate based on the known locations of ripe atlas probes really plays an important role in confirming um, the results of ip map one of the assumptions of ip map is that the information we get from the latency engine is true. It's reliable, although generally not that accurate. So it provides a kind of a, a range for where an IP address may be or a, a radius. The way we try and make that assumption justified is by sort of doing our homework about the known locations of the vantage points. So basically, each Ripe Atlas probe is Obviously, it's physically located somewhere in the world, and that location is stored in, in the Ripe Atlas system, and that's public information, at least to some degree of accuracy. So in general, a probe has a city associated with it. It's, it's supposed to be located in a particular city. And in, in the majority of cases, uh, users will, the, the host of the probe will set the location, and of course, it will be correct because they know where they live. But in many cases, especially over time, these locations can be wrong because you can, you know, you can unplug the probe and, and plug it in at your parents' house and you might forget to update the location. You can move. Uh, you could accidentally set it wrong when you first set it up. You can randomly set it because you can't be bothered to deal with that at the moment, mm. whatever it is. Um, so there are various reasons why the location of a probe as recorded is actually not true, Yeah, um, which is a problem when you're relying on the locations of probes because of the latency radius. And yeah. if it's in completely the wrong place, then we're going to be drawing the radius in the wrong place. So what we actually do is we start with the Ripe Atlas anchors because we have even more of a, uh, a relationship with anchor hosts, partially because there's fewer of them and you know they're sort of 
by default more committed to yeah. to the network and we can kind of talk to them and that there is it was a base assumption that the locations that they provide are very good and they are very good um but we don't completely take that on trust we also have we have a, a system in ip map which is basically analyzing the latency data between the ripe atlas anchors because that kind of that's already scheduled by ripe atlas there's a, a mesh between all the different anchors we look at that latency data and we look for aberrations where it's not like certain latencies are impossible basically you can build up a geographical map based on the latencies based on the radiuses and then it could be that like the latency which you get from an anchor which says it's in point a actually makes no sense because okay. it conflicts with kind of the herd yeah um, so you can work out which anchors stand out and those anchors are probably then mislocated in in the database uh, and then we can we can ignore those for the purposes of IP map and separately we, we can actually talk to the the hosts and and they'll probably correct it but then once we've got that set of kind of known good or probably good uh, anchor locations we can use those to verify the locations of the probes mm -hmm. because each probe is also uh, carrying out measurements to multiple anchors so each probe has is, is geographically anchored by the anchors. So it's right, like one yeah. of the purposes of the, the Ripe Atlas anchors. Okay. Um, so again, we can flag impossibilities. If a probe is reporting that it's one millisecond away from something on the other side of the world, something's wrong. Yeah. So again, we can remove that probe from consideration. One thing which is not happening at the moment, but will be happening, is there is actually already a mechanism to flag the location of probes as a kind of query like, hey, this seems to be wrong. That's already within Ripe Atlas. Um, IP map should actually and, and will actually feed that back into Ripe Atlas. So then ProPost have an, a, an opportunity to to fix it and then they'll be part of the ip map set again nice potentially okay. so what all this means is we've got pretty good confidence that um the information in the latency data set is is good what we what we get to when we've stripped out suspicious locations and so on is usually pretty reliable yeah um especially when you have more confirmations of of probes you know if multiple probes agree you basically can be sure that for a particular time frame and that's mm -hmm. also important because ip addresses move and sometimes a lot sometimes not at all but sometimes a lot mm -hmm. so that's something that that needs to be considered um but for a particular time frame we kind of trust the the latency right about this has a massive amount of probes in a country like say germany or the uk uh it really doesn't have anywhere near the same amount of probes in china so how does that affect how well you can geolocate infrastructure in those countries compared to countries like China? Yeah, so for, for say, the latency engine, which is relying on um, Ripe Atlas results, we absolutely do rely on the coverage. I would say it's not so much the relative coverage as a kind of absolute density. If Germany has 10 times as many probes as China, that wouldn't matter if China already had 10,000 probes, say. Mm -hmm. So it's yeah, it's about density and, and coverage, which is which is a an ongoing goal with Ripe Atlas in general. That Ripe Atlas wants to spread 
as much as possible in terms of topological diversity, geographical diversity, to try and cover as much as possible for these kind of use cases. And IPMAP definitely is sensitive to that. Uh, I understand that you want to draw on crowdsource data to get an even more reliable picture. Yeah, so say you're looking at a trace route, and let's say you have the reverse DNS, you might personally have some knowledge about the way that these different networks are connected. Very often a human will be able to make a very good guess as to where a particular IP address is located or where a particular hop in that trace route is located. So the idea behind the crowdsourcing engine um, has been that individual people can contribute a suggestion for a particular IP address. Uh, at the moment, this is, this is not really um, present in IPMAP. And it's what we're actually working on at the moment. So this is um, the next, probably the next major engine, which will be part of IPMAP, and, th and that will be available shortly for people to use. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it has two aspects. One is um, an interface, an API for submitting your hints on where a particular IP address may be located. And that's all uh, authenticated using RIPE access, the NCC's SSO, so we have some kind of understanding of users and so on. Um, and then the other side is the engine, which basically takes all of these contributions and produces the, the hints to, to the suggestions for IP map, along with the results from all of the other engines. How do I get started with this? I open RIPE IP map on my laptop. So I see a, a, a trace route entered a list of IP addresses, and then I see a visualization of that underneath. What's this showing me? So the, the sort of landing page for IPMAP is supposed to showcase what IPMAP can do. Mm -hmm. IPMAP as a product is an API. It's a REST API. Um, the, the, the landing page and the sort of demo there is, is designed to explain what IPMAP does, what kind of data it has as quickly as possible. So the, the key things are the trace route and the map. So the trace route is full of IPs and the map is a map. So it's IP map. Um, because I think that's that's really the way to understand it. And it's, that's also the way to understand that we're looking at the infrastructure part, the, the infrastructure side of the, the story. Um, because the relevant parts of the trace route are not, you know, the top hop or, or the end hop. It's, it's the stuff in the middle. And then on the map... There's a default trace route there as a kind of example. You can actually paste, uh, copy and paste a, a trace route from your terminal into there, and it should also give a, a best guess at the locations. But then it shows, okay, we know that this trace route went from this IP address to this, to this, to this. And then the map gives the best guess from IPMAP of, but this is where each of those points probably was, or possibly was, depending mm -hmm. on how sure it was. So the... The landing page is really a, a demonstration of an introduction into what IPMAP is. Yeah. Uh, and there's also then links into the documentation for how to use the API. There's a, there's a reference. There's a manual. Um, it's, it's meant to be a, a jumping off point um, rather than a sort of self-contained application for, you know, anything really to do with um, geolocation or IPMAP. It's, it's a kind of introduction into IP map. Okay, cool. And the answers that it comes out with in terms of granularity here on a map, uh, how far down does this go? Is Can so, you get down to street level? Yeah, or? so there's um, it, you, you can't get down to street level, uh, generally not. Um, there's a 
So th there's one kind of special engine, which is more of an auxiliary engine, which is called Worlds, the Worlds engine. Um, this is effectively a database of locations in general. We're like divorced from the idea of IP addresses. Mm -hmm. um, this is based on geonames and natural earth data um, at the moment. And this basically provides the set of all all locations that might be provided by IP map. Um, so there's, I, I can't remember what it goes down to, but even some quite fairly small towns might be involved there. Uh, but the location will always be to one of these towns uh, or, or locations or facilities. Um, yeah, you, you don't get any kind of street level, any kind of neighborhood level um, results unless they are their own locations within these data sets. Okay. Um, yeah, so that's, that's, that's the kind of granularity. Coming back to a point that we touched on right at the start of the conversation, and now that we've had a, a closer look at the engines, it's probably easier to answer this. Um, what's to stop people from using RIPE-IP map for end-user geolocation? There's no prohibition to, to trying to find or, or to asking IP map what is the geolocation for an IP address which happens to be your home router. You can ask. It's just extremely unlikely you'll get an answer or that you'll get a useful answer, just because the engines and the, the kind of methodology that IPMAP uses are naturally geared towards finding the locations of infrastructure. There are effectively no data sets which it uses which would be or could be good at locating end users. So, for instance, the latency uh, engine is using RIP Atlas trace route measurements. So for any kind of trace route, you have the, the vantage point, which could often be an end user of some kind. But in the case of RIP Atlas trace routes, the end user will be a RIP Atlas probe. So this is a probe located in a host's yeah. home, for example. Yeah. So for instance, in IP map, if you look up the IP address of a RIP Atlas probe, assuming that that probe's location has been verified and so on, you will at least get um, the location of that probe. Okay. But that makes sense because, you know, this is used as a vantage point, which allows us to locate things close to that probe. For every single um, end-user IP address that doesn't host a Red Palace probe, the latency engine has nothing to say about it because it, it only knows about really three kinds of things. So three kinds of IP addresses. There are the vantage points, and those are probes and anchors. So these are basically the, the first, the originating um, point in the trace route. There are the destinations. So... If, if somebody happens to have um, set up a trace route towards a particular destination, then there will be results within the latency data set. But these together don't cover very many IP addresses because it relies on, it's the number of probes or the number of verified probes and the number of measurement targets. And these are both fairly restricted sets. The, the bulk of the data comes from the middle hops, all of the, the trace route hops in between, this is the stuff that the latency engine is trawling through and providing geolocation information for. So if you look up one of those hops, then you stand a good chance of, of getting some kind of location. And a similar principle is true for, say, the IXP database because, you know, um, the peering DB data sets, which it's relying on, it's concerned with internet exchange points and facilities. So it, just in general, there's just 
there's just no data for end user IP addresses. Yeah. So the vast majority of data that you have from MyPathList measurement results is data on the, the middle bits of all these individual trace routes. Yeah, exactly. It's actually even a bit more extreme because with the first couple of hops in any trace route, you have like the, the final mile factor, which is basically that the data traveling from the end user to quite close in, in topological terms mm -hmm. um, takes a lot longer to actually get there in terms right. of milliseconds. Whereas once you get towards the middle of the, the network or, or even just beyond the, the, the very edge, stuff is moving very quickly and, and much closer, hopefully, usually, sometimes much closer to the theoretical limits. So very often, even if there was uh, a record in the latency engine or a suggestion from the latency engine for, let's say, my home uh, router, the fact that it's, you know, it's in a street somewhere in the Netherlands and it's kind of connected via this street box and then it goes to the local center and like these things, the fact that it does all of those hops means that the, late, the latency already has a bit of a minimum, which is um, obfuscating where that address actually is, that IP right. address actually is. So it's just less useful as a mechanism. Okay, so if people did start using or attempting to use IP map to geolocate end users... You're almost never going to get results right okay because of the techniques used and yeah ip maps really filling the gap of what topologically is you know the complex part which is not well served by especially various commercial geolocation providers just because the the need is, is way less direct if you're having to verify that um you know a, a visitor to your streaming site is in a particular jurisdiction because there's content restrictions or you know you need to check that a credit card payment is made from the correct country or whatever yeah. all of that stuff is provided for because there's a natural immediate commercial need for it um, whereas i think ip map fits in much more with one of the core missions of the ripe ncc which is to provide a neutral place where tools and systems can be built which benefit the whole of the community, the whole of the internet, without commercial-focused uh, interests. It's much more holistic in its, uh, in its goals. One source actually refers to RIPIP map as the most accurate infrastructure geolocation tool out there. There, there are some others referenced uh, in that paper. In terms of accuracy, are you, as one of the people working on this project, quite happy with the results that you're seeing from IP map? So I'm happy with with the progress that's been made. Um, I'm happy with, yeah, I'm happy with the overall direction. Um, and I'm happy, and, and I agree that the IP map is is not the only game in town, but it's essentially the top um, resource for locating infrastructure IP addresses, um, especially as a, a permissionless kind of open service. Mm -hmm. Um, there's definitely room for improvement. I mean, that's why we keep working on the engines. That's why we're coming up with new features and so on. What's the main focus for work on the tool uh, in the coming months? Yeah, a lot happening at the moment is around the crowdsourcing engine. So, yeah, the goal would be to obviously release it and promote it because that provides another angle, uh, another enhancement to the IP map results. There's a, a backlog of, of many other things which which also been worked on behind the scenes and will be worked on in the future but yeah the, the crowdsourcing is the uh, the current thing chris thank you very much for coming and talking to us about ripe ip map thanks for having me
That's all we have time for for today. Thanks again to Chris for taking the time to talk to us about RIPE IP Map. As usual, you can check out the show notes for more information on the topics we discussed. And do join us next time when we'll be talking about sanctions and the impact they have on people's access to the internet. Mm-hmm.